0: You're listening to Factual America. This podcast is produced by Alamo Pictures, a production company specializing in documentaries, television, and shorts about the USA for international audiences. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Alamo Pictures to be the first to hear about new productions, festivals we're attending, and how to connect with our team our homepage is alamopictures.co.uk. And now, enjoy Factual America with our host, Matthew Sherwood.
1: Welcome to Factual America, a podcast that explores the themes that make America unique through the lens of documentary filmmaking. I'm your host, Matthew Sherwood, and every two weeks, it is my pleasure to interview documentary filmmakers and experts on the American experience. Now, today we're going to have a slightly different format. We're not coming to you from our usual um, studios in uh, Spiritland Studios in King's Cross, uh, because uh, I had the opportunity, along with producer uh, Emmett Glenn, to attend the Global Health Film Festival uh, recently at the very end of last year, 2019. Now, it was a great festival, spread out over two days. Lots of great films, including uh, Forsama, the... uh, Winner of the BAFTA for best documentary, and also nominated for an Oscar. And by the time this uh, podcast is released, we'll know if whether they've um, won it or not. And we also had the chance, um, and thanks to the uh, the organizers uh, there at the Global Health Film Festival, to interview two sets of uh, European filmmakers who've made docs about America. Now, today we're going to concentrate on factory farming. Uh, actually, a subject that we're going to be revisiting in a couple podcasts uh, hence. But specifically today, it's more about the globalization of uh, factory farming or, or corporate farming that's been going on since, uh, well, certainly the 1970s, but really has taken off in the last uh, decade or two. Now, the name of the film is Soilism. It came out in 2018. It's directed by Enrico Parente and Stefano Liberti. And it's Enrico that we actually get an interview with, along with um, uh, Susanna Troiano, uh, one of the producers, and she's from Elliott Films. Now, you may have heard, I'm sure you've heard of uh, Enrico. He's um, probably best known for his feature-length documentary, Standing Army, which came out in 2010, that was aired globally, uh, but included uh, outlets such as Al Jazeera, Fox, and uh, the History Channel, and also was distributed widely... uh, well, actually, in the theaters in Japan, but also in the U.S. through um, Amazon and Hulu. Uh, he's won numerous awards uh, for his uh, shorts. And um, we just uh, were very fortunate to be able to, 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 to basically uh, get an interview with him after we saw the screening of his film. Uh, and if you want to know how to get more, you know, get in touch or learn more about uh, Enrico or... Um, or even, uh, you know, certainly Susanna from Elliott Films, uh, do, do check out the, uh, the uh, show notes here. Now, before heading into the interview, uh, we have a short clip, which we will be playing, and um, I think it really sets the stage well about this subject. And uh, at the very end, you'll see a graphic or those who are more traditional and listening to the podcast. Uh, it says that the world population will surpass 9 billion in demand for food will increase by 60% by 2050. And I think it's that that statistic and some quest, the questions that come with that statistic that really drove Enrico and his uh, colleagues and Susanna to, to make this film. So we're going to show that clip now, and then we're going to go straight into the interview. Meanwhile, um, I do hope you enjoy the interview, and uh, thank you for listening to Factual America. A lot of environmentalism has not taken seriously this other population bomb, that livestock populations have grown at a much faster rate than human populations have. Today there's over 70 billion animals killed for food every year, and if the trajectory of meatification continues on the course that it's on, there will be 120 billion animals killed for food uh, by 2050. Welcome to a special edition of Factual America. We're here at the Global Health Film Festival in Bloomsbury, London, on the 6th and 7th of December 2019. And it's been a great day so far. It's the 6th. Uh, some amazing films that you'll be hearing about, if you haven't already heard about them. And it is my privilege, actually, to uh, interview two, uh, our next two guests, who uh, we've just seen a film called um, Soilism, and then we have the director Enrico Parente, and we have a producer Susanna Troiano. And so, uh, let me, without further ado, let me welcome you to Factual America.
2: Hi, hello, and thanks for having us.
1: Yes, well, first of all, I just wanted to say thank you again for that film. I think it was... Um, what? What? When did that come out? What year? Came out? No,
2: at the end of 2018. We presented the movie at IDFA, which is the Amsterdam Documentary right. Film Festival. And uh, from there, we started on, and it's still going strong. It's still touring the world. We were just last week in uh, Russia. We had two screenings in uh, St. Petersburg and Moscow. Mm -hmm. And also, we had last um, the other week uh, also Budapest.
1: Maybe you could give us a synopsis of what this what this film's about.
2: Uh, this film is about uh, the meat industry, the growth of the meat industry, and the impact that it has on the environment. Especially now that uh, new countries are coming in the f- in factory industrial farm which uh, uses uh, large amounts of uh, soybeans, oil grains, and corn to feed uh, the animal stock. And so we tried to um, simplify a big system, which, uh, especially in our case, starts from China. It goes all over the way to U.S., where this uh, factory farm system was invent inve- invented. Mm-hmm. And um, then we go down in the Amazon, where, in fact, uh, the the soybeans comes from most of it, especially from the south of uh, the Amazon forest in and the Mato Grosso. Mm-hmm. So it's just a, a movie that tries to explain uh, what will happen when uh, other populations, mm-hmm. the overpopulation that will come in the near future, what will happen to our environment if we keep on. Eating meat, every one of us, each every one of us, and the the way
1: we do. And, and I think Enrico undersells the film. Actually, I think it's uh, it is about that, but like all great documentaries, it's also about so much more. I think. Yes. And as a as an American, actually, I had per, it was personally poignant on two levels. I used to live in North Carolina. And I remember when this, I was a young student, uh, it's been a while, but I remember when this was all starting, the factory farms, the chicken, it was made, started off with the chicken mainly, I think, and then the, then the pork industrial farms came in. And we all kind of knew it was happening, but yet we didn't really do anything. And people were like, well, but the people in eastern North Carolina need jobs and, and these sort of things. And then also, um, it's a long story, but my father, who's also American, but he was born in Mato Grosso. Brazil. Yeah, really? Yes, so this this is like it was all coming. I, the only connection I don't have is China. I've been to Shanghai, but I've but otherwise. Uh but isn't this there's also other, there's other themes here. There's um the ch- disappearing America, the the how farming has changed and as you say it started in the United States. And then maybe also how maybe it's starting to take another going a full circle is it um i think you very poignantly said in the q a after the film you weren't look there are no easy answers and you weren't trying to give us easy answers but in the u.s it does seem like at least there's a little bit of momentum there of trying to recapture that old way of doing things
2: yeah sure there is i mean uh uh, we we try to, to we say at the, the end of the documentary that china for example it's uh, it, w- it will start uh, the government said it will start to reduce the consumption of meat because they know their dependence is too strong but uh, yes we also talk about in fact small farmers what what is their role there the momentum as you say it's 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 uh, really strong now in europe and in uh, us because we are finally realizing that this uh, super consumption of uh, luxury food as mm. we should call them because meat is a luxury food is something that usually uh, starts when you get out of uh, uh, poverty right. and um, it, it's actually something that started in the in the 50s because before that we we used to eat something like a third of the meat that we used to eat yeah. And so now we have all these companies. Luckily, they are trying to find solutions, uh, plant-based solutions to meat or in vitro meat, especially in the U.S. And uh, I think it's a, it's a it's a good thing.
1: No, I think that's uh, I, I agree. I think uh, there's a we have a sister company that also does things. It's called uh, Texas Real Food, and they also it's a it's a network of uh, organic farmers and also restaurants that source. So you can go on there, mm. and you can find out that restaurant, where does it source its food? And you can find out which farmer that the you know is providing the beef and which one is providing the produce and the, and these sort of things. I mean, you make an interesting point. My father, when I was growing up, my father used to always make the comment: they only had a chicken on Sundays and they didn't they didn't eat meat the rest of the week. You know, and we've gotten so used to this. My own children think that's you have to have meat every every day practically. You 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 mentioning organic farming? Do you see this? You said in Western Europe, certainly the U.S. Uh do you see anything like this happening? Well I guess it's what we have is the other countries haven't even gone through the whole agricultural development that the West and the US have gone through. And and so this is I think the point of the film that it's not just about China. It's it's about all these other countries that are up and coming.
2: Yeah, certainly each one of us it's on a different level of consciousness nowadays. And uh, but I, I was pretty surprised in China because uh, we found uh, many organic farming mm. farms with, which uh, were trying also to do pork in a better way. But obviously their scale was very, very, very small, and it wasn't like in the U.S. where you you had already a chain that was mm-hmm. integrating this new farming system. And uh, yeah, then we have all the other countries that mm, some some people told us even that India now it's one of the main exporter of uh, cow meat, mm-hmm. even if uh, yeah. cows are uh, <laughs> sacred. But apparently the Muslim. Population—it's—it's—it's—it's it's, uh, it's,
1: it's their own business in, in India. Well, as a, um, a business school professor said a few years ago of mine, uh, he said, um, "If you, the answer to every question is China, China, India," <laughs> and so I think that's sort of, um, of, of sort of gets to that point. Um, I mean. Susanna, as a producer, how did you get involved with the project, and uh, what, do you, what were maybe some of the experiences you would like to, to share?
3: This um, documentary um, is a uh, documentary as as a long story because started more or less six years ago uh, as an idea, just a, an idea, and a meeting with another author and Enrico has definitely started uh, filming. But actually, we didn't have found. Um, we had just a little, little found just to, to go uh, in different countries. Actually, only two. And then, as Enrico uh, said before, the project stopped for one year, maybe, maybe one year and a half, because we we needed uh, other funds just to close the documentary because we wanted to. Um, to show another example, a positive uh, example or a kind of hope in this research. And so we got got small found from foundations and uh, Pulitzer, for example, Help us to to go to Mozambique, and so the, this project is started as a small project, and then now we have a documentary that we shot in four countries, ecocontinents. Sorry, mm-hmm. sorry, and um, and we we have three organization and private, so it, it's 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 not a proper. A normal uh, production for for right. documentary because you know that the topic it's hard to to support. For example, from Italy, we had just a small fund to for distribution, mm-hmm. not for producing right. the the film. Mm-hmm. So in Italy, uh, it's really often um, the Italian uh, support the distribution and not the producing mm-hmm. um, uh, process because. They, I think they want to to see if the the documentary has success right uh, and then okay we we can distribute it otherwise not
1: you say it's, I mean it's kind of a hard story to sell I think to some yeah. people but who came up? I mean, because it's such a gripping film. How did you come up with this? Where did the idea come from? Did you just read an article one day?
2: Well, no, I it started all when because I did a documentary on U.S. military bases around the world. And I met up with Stefano, which is the co-director, and he just wrote a book on land grabbing. So at the beginning, we wanted to do something about land grabbing, but um, it was very difficult to find places where the land grabbing actually happened, because there were a lot of projects in 2013, 2014, a lot of people were, were talking about land grabbing in Africa, but then We didn't see much of it with our eyes. We just saw small projects starting that were very much exaggerated in the the European press. So we started to think that maybe the best thing to do would be like uh, who will produce the food for the 3 billion people that will come in the next 30 years. That was the main question at the beginning. In fact, the the title at the beginning was the overpopulation business in the sense of... uh, Who are the who? who, makes who no profits from- who's gonna profit yes, from this yeah. overpopulation that will come yeah. in in thirty years? That was the the title. That mm-hmm. title stuck with us for a long time. That's what made uh, me and Stefano get together because we didn't know each other, and he saw my documentary on a military base. I read his book on land grabbing. But we had this title that was we thought it was a cool idea to 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 develop. And uh, we, we we thought a lot, a lot about it for a long time. We actually did another documentary while waiting for some funds to produce this movie. And um, at the end, we when we discovered that most of the the oil grain oil grains come from uh, South America and go to Asia in general and especially to China, we were pretty shocked because. Through China, we saw this new wave of investments that were going into U, the U.S., mm-hmm. the, the, especially this midfield acquisition, which, which was at the time the largest acquisition of a Chinese company into the U.S., mm-hmm. which if, if it didn't had a Senate uh, yeah. hearing because they were even saying, oh, now we're going to have a Chinese communist company in, in the U.S., and so they had to... Think about it uh, for, for a long while. They didn't have the, the green light straight away. So that thing got us very interested in China, this midfield acquisition, because we were saying, but why, why should a Chinese company pay that much money to buy a, a, a company? And then we, that's what we try to explain in the movie. That we, we, we show that if you um, allow a company like Smithfield to grow as it grows and buy all the other small companies in the, in, in, in the, in the last past 20 years mm-hmm. then it becomes a target for for somebody else yeah. which just gets in at the at the, at the at the last moment and buys it all so yeah it becomes just uh, the, the, the the whole agri- agribusiness system is yeah. becoming more and more uh, how do you say? Conformed. I mean, it's uh,
1: homogenized,
2: homogenized, and uh, fewer and fewer companies are uh, are investing in. And and China was just so interesting because China really did a lot of uh, buyouts in the U.S. I think Sygenta, I don't remember if Sygenta is a U.S. based. It's half half of the. It's it's not it's not U.S. based totally but it has a big uh, part of it in the u.s because it was developing uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: well we'll have our researchers look into this but uh, no I, I think sometimes these ownership structures are becoming more and more complicated and so it's not even i mean it's an interesting another storyline is the sort of not so much nationalism but this idea of sovereignty and food sovereignty and how mm-hmm. different uh, you know the brazilians are complaining about the Americans and the Chinese, and the Americans are complaining about the Chinese, and everyone's complaining about someone, and (laughs) Mozambique's complaining about the Brazilians, Um, and I I think, but, you know, it's becoming such a globalized world that I think um, it's very, um, it's hard to, it's hard to, things are never black and white anymore. Yeah, yeah, in fact... Mm.
2: Yeah, it's, it's even hard to find where the investors yeah. inside a company come from. If yeah. some, and yeah. now every company has uh, uh, stockholders, uh, big stockholders from other companies that we don't know until they, they try to buy it out or just uh, the, the CEO
1: changes. Mm. So I think that's a very good point to, uh, to take a break.
0: You're listening to Factual America. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Alamo Pictures to keep up to date with new releases and upcoming shows. Check out the show notes to learn more about the program, our guests, and the team behind the production. And now, back to Factual America.
1: Welcome back to Factual America, where we are coming to you from the Global Health Film Festival. Um, we've been uh, here with um, Enrico and Susanna talking about Soilism, the film that they've uh, screened here at the festival. And um, I think, it, as you, as I think we discussed earlier, uh, this podcast is sponsored by Alamo Pictures, which is a new company that's looking to do documentaries about the U.S. from a European perspective. Well, we have two Europeans here. Uh, what... Did you find any? Do you find any challenges? You, you mentioned a documentary you've done before about the U.S. military bases, uh, but going to the U.S., going to places like Eastern North Carolina, Iowa, do you? What are the? Is there a benefit to being European? And what are the? Maybe the, some of the challenges you face.
2: I think the the most challenging part for us it's um, especially distribution in the U.S. It looks like uh, I'm, I'm starting to think that. Uh, the U.S. doesn't like a lot when uh, other people from other countries talk about the U.S. Because, in fact, we had a very wide distribution worldwide. I mean, we, a lot of televisions bought our movie. Uh, we had screening. everywhere, But we we, didn't, we really had a hard time making an impact in the U.S. And it's very strange because at the end, as you saw in the movie, we have almost 25 minutes of the film is based in North Carolina. And mm. it's, it's a very big problem there. So that was the hardest part. I mean, shooting wise. Mm, no, it wasn't that difficult. I have to say that I am half even if I don't speak a perfect English. I am half American in oh, yeah. The sense. Yeah, yeah the, my it, it? my mother was yes. from New York. I never I, and I have grown up in Italy. All my life I just lived in the US one year when I was about 20 years old. Mm. So I mean, uh, I'm 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 usually not scared to go in the U.S. I'm more scared of the police usually when they stop me on the road <laughs> because we, we hear we, we, all those... We all are. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I hear all this horror story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, just don't speak. That's you, all you especially, have to. especially in eastern North Carolina. Yeah, That's fact, how I have my uh, own experience. But yeah, don't don't speed.
2: The, speak the, the only thing Carolina. that I'm scared <laughs> in the U.S. is uh, to be stopped by a policeman, especially while, maybe while we're shooting, mm-hmm. and they say, ''Ah, oh, what are you doing here? Why yeah. you are not doing this?'' I even get a third-grade uh, mm, interview every time I go through the through the immigration Mission, service, yeah. and they're like, "Oh, what are you doing here?" I say, yeah, but what I'm doing here. I have an American passport, I'm just yeah. going in, and say, yeah, but why are you coming in? I'm coming in because yeah, yeah, I, I want to go and see my 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 relatives. I don't know, but yeah, no, it, it, it isn't difficult to shoot in the U.S. It's difficult, I think, to. Get into the film society. To it seems that I don't know. I think it's a, it's very it's made in a way that it's very easy to see for an American person. Mm-hmm. It talks about the things about meat, about in a way about it's also a good movie for vegetarians or people who lean towards eating less meat. Mm-hmm. But we also put this into a context of uh, a world context system. So I, I don't know. I really don't have a difficult uh, difficulty in distribution. Yeah.
1: Okay. But with the with the locals, they you know they were very open to you to coming in and filming. And I mean, I, I noticed most of the people we were talking to, for, certainly in North Carolina, were yeah. more activists. Yeah.
2: yeah, in fact, we we were helped a lot by the, the water keepers that mm-hmm. uh, really supported us. They made uh, us available a plane the, the, to fly above the factory farms. They, they gave us that guy that was going around with us, the guy with the beard who was just driving us uh, mm-hmm. all over North Carolina to see mm-hmm. the people that you saw in the movie. And so, with them, was pretty easy. Then in the US, we always find these intellectuals that we, we try mm. to interview. And it's luckily, if they're passionate about it, uh, they, they are always very willing to speak and get into a documentary.
1: But that's interesting what you say about distribution, because one thing we've been doing is uh, as part of this, we've been researching. Um, documentaries, a lot of people are saying this is a golden age of documentary filmmaking. Uh, and when looking at ones that some of the best, at least what we think are the best ones about the U.S., they're all always American made. Yeah. But but yet there's yeah. this long history of, in, in human history, of outsiders being able to come in and maybe seeing something with a different mm-hmm. eye. And it is, it, which is great about coming to this festival, because we've got at least two films, if not more, that are some people with a European perspective who've made films about that have something to do with, you know, there's a, the US is a large portion of this, obviously. Uh, it's not just strictly a US picture. Um, but I think um, maybe that is something that, uh, maybe, I don't know, we'll have to work on changing.
2: There's no agreement between uh, the US and uh, European countries, for example, for co production. So, yeah, you can apply for the Pulitzer Center mm-hmm. on Crisis Reporting, but in the other case, as she said, you need a fiscal sponsor. It's always a bit more difficult. I was in uh, Amsterdam uh, last week, and I was talking with all these filmmakers. And, all, and everybody said the same thing, that it, it seems that grants in the U.S. for filmmaking go or to developing countries mm-hmm. or to U.S.-based filmmakers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we 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 have a we actually do have an academic distribution in the U.S. because it's been it's been shown in in university the film. We also showed it before the U.N. climate summit in New York. Stefano went there mm-hmm. and we showed pieces of parts of the movie and the excerpts, and he talked about it. So we had a little bit of, a, but it seems more like the. Festival filmmaking community mm. that doesn't—I uh, don't know—much
1: accept it. So no luck with Sundance or South by Southwest mm. or any of these yeah. typical ones. Not
2: even the festival in North Carolina, which <laughs> is, uh, oh, yeah, that—that yeah, that that We were uh, we were First. pretty impressed that they didn't take us at that festival because sense in a bad way it because yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. a very good festival yeah. and the movie also. Screen for the first time in Idfa, mm. which uh, for documentary, only for documentary, is probably the best festival there is in the world. So yes. that's also makes it easier sometimes for the other festival to accept it. I
3: wanted to add that we received a lot of requests from a bottom-up, I would say, requests mm-hmm. from um, organizations, small organization from Italy, but also in other countries, uh, European countries, for example. In Holland, uh, we did like 10 screenings, but you know, not from fast. it was, okay, related maybe from yeah. ITFA, but maybe small, I would say, citizens' organization. So yeah. people, yes, or farmers, uh, small farmers' organization, so that they wanted to, um, to show the, the documentary to the, you know, the neighbors, I would say. So uh, that, that's, that's nice, you. you know, because we, we know that these, this topic is many people are concerned about. So we, we, got, we got from people like this, from universities, some festivals, but we, we thought, OK, we, we can do also from America mm-hmm. the, the same kind of requests,
1: Well, hopefully that will change, and I guess I mean obviously you want as many people to see this as possible. But I think it's a it must be at least a good sign, or make you feel better that at least if if you've got a lot of grassroots organizations wanting to see it, then that that is part of the maybe part of what you're trying to achieve. Well, I think um, uh, we've I mean at least hard for me to believe. I think we've already been chatting for almost uh, thirty minutes here, so Mm -hmm. I would like to. well thank you again but before we uh, sign off uh, maybe are there what projects are you working on now or uh, anything else in the in the pipeline It's secret it's a secret <laughs> uh, well
2: wonderful secret
3: <laughs> yeah it's just that
2: but, it's, just that it's uh, gets difficult and difficult to do movies uh, like impact movies mm. because now people search you so as soon as you ask for an interview people search you on the internet and uh um. You know, interesting. And see, yeah. you know, what you do, what how you think, usually, what uh, kind of a point of view you have, and yeah. it, gets, it gets more difficult to do new documentaries. Okay. <laughs> well,
1: uh, Enrico and Susanna, I just want to thank you again. The film is Soilism. If uh, how do how could if, if uh, someone's sitting at home, how what's the how can they see this film? Is it available it's, uh, online or
2: going to be online in uh, on Amazon in the US? I think pretty soon. I think it's still not online, but it's yeah. going to be, I think, from January, it's going to be on Amazon Prime. Yeah.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, we don't usually make plugs for particular places, but I think it's important for people to see this film. So, um, I just, again, thank you, uh, Enrico Perente and uh, Susanna Traiano.
2: Right.
3: Thank, uh,
1: thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And uh, this is Factual America signing off.
0: You've been listening to Factual America, This podcast is produced by Alamo Pictures, specializing in documentaries, television, and shorts about the USA for international audiences. Head on down to the show notes for more information about today's episode, our guest, and the team behind the podcast. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Alamo Pictures to be the first to hear about new productions, festivals we're attending, and to connect with our team. Our homepage is alamo dot uk.